to another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman. Episode 9, we're getting there. We're almost to 10. Might have to do a special giveaway or something. Nah, I got nothing to give away. I'm a broke college student. What are we talking about? <laughs> but anyway, uh, before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously No Copyright Music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, as mentioned before, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them, no copyright music. On today's episode, we got the Honda Indy Toronto race recap. I'll go over the race, uh, give you the results, the standings overview, uh, winners and losers of the week, which there is a surprise number one winner this week. I can't wait to tell you guys about that. Uh, my race reaction, I'll talk about uh, Robert Wicken's amazing comeback to uh, get into that accurate NSX and lead the field around the pace laps. I'll give some uh, other news that's going around the IndyCar world and a little segment of Shut Your Fuel Cell because there's, you know, there weren't a lot of stupid people on Twitter the past couple days. So, you know, I'll commend uh, IndyCar Twitter for that. And then I'll uh, give us a quick little spiel for uh, Iowa on Saturday night. So let's get right into it. In the Honda Indy Toronto race recap, Indy 500 winner Simon Pagano was on pole with five-time champion Scott Dixon alongside him. Robert Wickens would pace the field in an Acura NSX equipped with hand controls. The Canadian would get a roaring applause from his hometown fans, and there will be more on that later. Once the green flag would wave, Pagano would maintain his lead early, with drivers fanning out and pushing for every position to begin the first lap. Trouble, however, would come early with Will Power dive-bombing the corner on Graham Rahal and Marco Andretti, sending the three of them around. Andretti, however, would get away unscathed after doing a complete 360 spin, which I will admit that was pretty cool and that's some great driving by Marco. The incident would collect Ryan Hunter-Ray, Matthias Leist, and Marcus Erickson as well. Green flag pit stops would begin on lap 16, making every second in the pits ever so crucial. On lap 17, Ed Carpenter Racing teammates Ed Jones and Spencer Piggott would tangle, with Jones hip-checking Piggott into the wall, damaging the front wing and derailing any hopes for a top 10 finish. Intense green flag action would take over the race, with every green flag pit stop being the decider between a spot gained or lost on track. Lap 66, Sebastian Bourdais would stuff his Honda into the tire barrier while running in 7th. However, no caution would fly, and Bourdais would drive away. Two laps later, Takuma Sato would be forced to come into the pits while running 5th due to a mechanical issue, and his Honda would catch fire, forcing him to call it a day. With four laps to go, points leader Joseph Newgarden would tank slap the outside wall coming down to the front straightaway. Newgarden would limp his way around the track in the remaining laps and manage to bring it home in fourth. On the final lap, Team Penske driver Will Power would go head first into the turn eight tire barrier, bringing out a full course yellow and promptly ending the race. With uncertainty on fuel, Simon Pagano would manage to save enough to get to the end and notch his third win on the season and the 14th of his career. As we look at the results for the Honda Indy Toronto, Simon Pagano would end up first, Scott Dixon second, Alexander Rossi third, points leader Joseph Newgarden fourth, rookie Felix Rosenquist fifth, James Hinchcliffe, the Toronto native sixth, Colton Herta seventh, Sebastian Bourdais eighth, Graham Rahal ninth, and Marco Andretti tenth. And now as we look at the standings, Joseph Newgarden maintains his points lead, but only by four points over Alexander Rossi, followed by Simon Pagano, who has now cut the lead down to 39 points, and then Scott Dixon, 86 points behind in fourth, and Will Power, fifth in points, 128 points behind. There wasn't really any shakeup in the point standings besides, you know, gaining or losing ground on the leader, so not a lot of movement in the top 10 overall. And with that, let's move on to winners and losers of the week. The only reason you guys are even listening to me right now. 
And with that, let's go to winner number three, James Hinchcliffe for Arrow, Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports. With the mayor of Hinchtown coming back home, there was a little bit more added pressure for a great result. It was a battle all weekend for the number five team, as they just missed the setup in qualifying, and he would have to start the race in 14th. Hinchcliffe, however, would quickly move his way up into the top 10 in the beginning stages of the race. Great pit stops and superior driving by the Canadian would lead him tying his season best finish of 6th. What impressed me the most with Hinchcliffe's drive on Sunday was the fact that he was able to gain the second most positions from his original starting spot of 14th. It's no easy task to make a pass on a street course, especially on such a physically demanding track like Toronto. Despite not scoring a top 5 finish this season yet, Hinch and the Aeroschmidt-Peterson Motorsports team have to feel pretty good where they're at right now. They've had the speed the last couple weeks, and if it wasn't for a crash in Texas, he might have earned a podium there. With Hinchcliffe being the defending race winner in Iowa, and with some momentum on his side, expect yet another strong performance from Hinch on Saturday night. Winner number two, Simon Pagano for Team Penske. It's been well documented how Pagano completely turned his 2018 fortunes around. From his dismal zero wins in 2018 to three wins in 2019, it's been night and day for the 2016 champion. Even though his name hasn't been mentioned very much in the championship hunt, he's still definitely in the thick of things. It'll be difficult to catch the two frontrunners, especially with Newgarden and Rossi consistently running top five, but wins trump top fives any day of the week. With the 2019 Indy 500 winner dominating in Toronto, it validates that Pagano is a force to be reckoned with going forward this season, and he's more than prepared to fight for a second championship. Oh yeah, the surprise winner number one of the week. I can't wait to tell you guys this. Drumroll, please. Felix Rosenquist for Chip Ganassi Racing. Freaking finally! Felix Rosenquist's saga in the winners and losers segment has officially come full circle. From the lows of being number one on the losers list to now being winner number one is nothing short of remarkable. Man, I'm going to get emotional over here. Alright, enough with this emotional garbage. Let's get back to the race. Rosenquist had by far his best weekend in IndyCar. He was in the top five for every single practice session, qualified third for the race, and ran solidly in the top ten the entire day, finishing fifth. I feel like Rosenquist is starting to get into a rhythm of things, and he's beginning to show how good he can be. These past two weeks have been nearly flawless for Rosenquist and the number 10 Chip Ganassi racing team, and for the first time in a while, his place at CGR seems to be more secure than ever. After the race, Chip Ganassi said, We've had our eye on Felix for a few years, and we're glad to finally get him into the team, and he certainly has a nice long runway and a big future. Those are big words from a guy like Chip Ganassi, and it should only give Rosenquist more confidence going forward. A big test for the young rookie comes this upcoming week in Iowa, where he's never run before outside of testing. If he's able to get another solid top 10 finish on Saturday night, it'll only give Chip Ganassi more reason to keep Rosenquist come next season. You know, boy, it's that, it's that time of the day again. Losers of the week. And with that, let's go with loser number three, Ryan Hunter-Ray for Andretti Autosport. It always seems to be boomer bust for the 2014 Indy 500 winner. If he's not winning or competing for podium finishes, he's either crashed out or having car failures. I feel like that's a big reason why he seems to fly under the radar so much every year. On Sunday, he would be plagued by bad luck once again. Hunter Ray started back in 11th, and on lap 2, he would get tagged in the back while trying to avoid Will Power and Graham Rahal's incident. That slight contact would set Hunter Ray back to 18th in the running order, he would only be able to muster a 16th place finish out of it. Despite yet another unfortunate day for Hunter Ray, he finds himself solidly 7th in points, 
And next week, he's returning to a track where he's dominated in the past. He has three wins, five podiums, and an average finish of 8.4 in Iowa. So I would definitely make sure to look for Ryan hunter to bounce back in Iowa come Saturday night. Loser number two, Will Power for Team Penske. It really hasn't been Power's year to this point at all. Even though he has three podiums, two poles, and is currently fifth in the points, luck doesn't seem to be on his side. From a stakes on pit road to lacking speed, it seems to be never-ending for last year's Indy 500 champion. On Sunday, it was a forgettable performance for the 2014 champion. An unnecessary dive bomb early in the race led to a collision with Graham Rahal, and that set the number 12 Verizon team back for the majority of the race. Power was able to work his way up to 10th towards the end of the race, but on the last lap he'd overshoot a corner and stuff his Chevrolet into the tire barrier. That crash would toss Power back to 18th. I never thought I'd say a driver that's 5th in points is having a bad season, but with Team Penske setting the bar so high every year, Power's season has been lackluster. With Power still winless, the pressure is on to keep his streak alive for consecutive seasons with at least one win, which is currently 12. I have no doubt Power can get it turned around before season's end, and with tracks that he's won at before still to come like Mid-Ohio, Pocono, Gateway, and Sonoma, I like his chances to reverse the bad luck. Ah man, loser number one. I really don't want to do this to him, but loser number one is Takuma Sato for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. 2019 has by far been Sato's best season in IndyCar, and honestly, he hasn't gotten the credit he deserves. Currently sixth in points, Sato's been able to notch three podiums, two poles, and one win to this point. In Toronto, Sato was primed to get another top five finish this season, but unfortunately, with around 20 laps to go, his Honda would literally catch fire. The fire would force Sato to call it a day, and he would wind up dead last. It's been great to see Sato finally have a solid season, and I feel Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing has been the perfect fit for him. Sato is one of those drivers you want to root for because of how much passion and drive he has. He's a racer through and through, and you know he's going to lay it out all on the line every week. His motto, no attack, no chance, perfectly sums up his driving style and makes watching him compete so thrilling. Sato really shouldn't be on this list, but mechanical issues can easily make a great day turn into a terrible day. I wouldn't be surprised if Sato finds victory lane once or twice before the end of the season, especially with tracks like Iowa and Portland still to come. Now going back to the overall race in Toronto, one thing that stood out to me is what Will Power had to say about the difficulty of passing on Sunday and the competitive level in IndyCar. End quote, everyone's so good now, it's just so hard to make anything up. Less yellows, less mistakes. You have to make a pretty good move when you're out for a pass. It's hard to get a run on someone. It's actually more of a product of everyone's good. End quote. Yeah, I completely agree with Will Power there. The race tested the driver's skill level all race long and was so entertaining to watch. The thing that makes IndyCar stand out the most from any other motorsport is the fact that it doesn't need to have a photo finish or a frantic battle for the win every single week. IndyCar is the only sport that can make a driver dominating the entire race fun to watch. In Formula 1, I've never seen a more boring and bland form of racing in my life. This past week, Lewis Hamilton won yet again to notch his 7th win in the season, and it wasn't fun to watch at all. NASCAR has had its fair share of great races and finishes this season, but it still lacks the aspect of pure racing and entertainment. Simon Pagano dominated the entire race in Toronto, but there was so much action around the track that it didn't hamper the overall race. Before the race, Alexander Rossi said Toronto is the toughest street course by far, and with the new Firestone compound they brought to the track, there was less rear grip, making it even more difficult to hang onto the race car. Fans want to see pure speed, borderline out-of-control chaos racing. 
We saw that for 85 straight laps in Toronto. The helmet cameras NBC continues to give the fans week in and week out have been outstanding for the sport. The cameras put the fans in the driver's seat and help show the pure speed and intensity that the drivers go through on each and every lap. With the violent bumps all around the track in Toronto, it made those battles around the track about as intense as can be. I sound like a broken record, but the product IndyCar continues to put out on the track is second to none. Now going back to the Robert Wickens story, it was honestly a special moment that IndyCar fans will remember for a long time. He looked like a kid on Christmas and he was back in his happy place. Since his horrific injury, it's been an uphill battle to say the least. Through all the setbacks, Wickens' goal hasn't changed. He's going to get back in an IndyCar, and with Aero equipping the Acura NSX with hand controls, it's the start of something that will make Wickens' goal come to fruition. Aero Electronics is doing something that is revolutionary, and Wickens' goal of competing in an IndyCar next year seemed more likely than ever before. In a press conference over the weekend, Wickens said, I was able to get a couple practice laps in yesterday, and it put a huge smile on my face. Just to think how fortunate I am, one, to have such great partners around me to make this happen. Racing is my dream. It's my passion. It's all I want to do. Obviously, there's still a lot of rehab that he has to go through and multiple obstacles that he has to get over, but it gives Wickens confidence and optimism that he can get through those lows and come back. Moving on to some IndyCar news, not a whole lot, but Sage Karam will be back in the number 31 Smart Stop self-storage Chevrolet for Carlin Racing at Iowa Speedway. Team principal Trevor Carlin said, We were very impressed with Sage's steady progression throughout the Toronto race weekend and his willingness to learn and adapt. The fact that he hadn't been on a street course since 2015 and he was still able to come right out of the gates confident and constantly improving every session was extremely impressive. Alongside Karam, Connor Daly will be back in the number 59 Gallagher Chevrolet for Carlin as well, making it an all-American lineup in Iowa for Carlin Racing. That's awesome to see those guys getting more opportunities in IndyCar because they both have a whale amount of talent. And if they just need a couple more opportunities and I think they're going to start to really sh show out what they can do if they have the equipment around them. I think the biggest thing I'll be looking for is uh, how Sage Karam is able to adapt because Iowa arguably has been his best track. He had his only IndyCar podium back in 2015 at Iowa and he's always been able to show out at that little bull reign of an oval so I think it'll be fun to watch Sage Karam and see what he can do especially with it being a Saturday night race and it'll be a two-lane groove racetrack so maybe we can see Sage Karam get a you know top 15 top 10 who knows but also for Connor Daly it's more experience for him and I feel like he's going to be able to excel and he's going to push the limits of what Carlin Racing can do and I won't be surprised if both of these guys are near the top 10 by the end of the night. Oh yes, your favorite segment is back. Shut your fuel cell. Dumbest Twitter comments of the week. It is officially back, y'all. I scroll through Twitter comment sections, which in 2019 is the last thing you ever want to do, and I'll read some of the most ridiculous ones across the IndyCar social media community. Let's start off with this one random person. This is actually on Instagram, so I'm already breaking my own rules. But this is a comment after Simon Pagano had won the poll and the caption was that's ntt p1 award number two for simon pagino of the season and this person i'll call whom stewie stewie said what does that mean he put it on poll yeah what do you think it means i mean it literally says p1 award and i feel like anybody that watches indycar knows what the ntt p1 award is it's poll winner that's just stupid i mean how i hate these kind of random comments that wait what does that mean he's on poll no 
No, he's starting last. That's what it is. You freaking idiot. I, I don't understand how people can, can be like so out of the loop per se and not understand a simple P1 award. I wonder what that means. I don't know. P1. What does that mean? Position one? Yeah. <sighs> Next up is another Instagram comment. Man, I'm really breaking the rules today. But this was just a random Toronto post. And this person, I'll call him Eddie. Eddie said, just came back from there absolutely sucked we'll never attend again and uh this other person commented it's free friday try again a day when the races actually happen then eddie replied to him i've been going to races for 50 years that event isn't even worth free okay that's one of the most random comments i've ever heard (laughs) what do you mean first off any indycar race is worth the price of admission because they have such great prices you can go and it's it's not going to be that expensive the thing is toronto i mean i'd love to go to toronto first off the scenery is amazing out there such a clean city i need to head there eventually but the action all weekend looked fun it looked exciting and i don't understand how people can think that it wasn't even worth going free i don't know when i read the comment it's like i've been going for 50 years i've been going to races for 50 years what do you mean the event isn't worth going for free this seems like one of those, you know, the old geezers that's like, hates everything, and it's like, ah, it's not even worth going to, ah, screw this, screw that, my life sucks, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He might have been pissy about being out in the sun or something, who knows. I'm pretty sure, like, 99% of people that went said it was a great race and they would have loved to be there. That's an ill-advised comment that didn't, you know, it was just one of the, it was really dumb, so. Shut your fuel cell, Eddie. Uh, here's the final Twitter comment this time. This was uh, about Lee Diffie. He had I forget, he was uh, tweeting about Colton Herta about, you know, he think it'd be cool to see Herta go to F1. I personally wouldn't want that, obviously, because Herta has a boatload of talent. And if he were to go to a team like Haas F1, I feel like that would be a bad idea. But this person commented on Lee Diffie's post about about uh, the Haas F1, Colton Herta, maybe, you know, rumors floating around here. And this person commented, not even related to this, I'll call this person Merv. Merv said, I would be happy if they would have at least one American broadcaster on the telecast. Wait, what? (laughs) Well, that makes no sense. Are you talking about IndyCar or Formula One? If you're talking about IndyCar, you got Townsend Bell up in the booth, first off. He's American. And then all the pit reporters, they're all American, I'm pretty sure. So I don't understand why it would matter if they were American, Canadian, Australian. I don't care. As long as they're great broadcasters and can present the race well, that's all I care about. So that's another invalid comment that nobody cares about. And he should really shut his fuel cell. So that's about all the dumb comments I found this week. But I'm going to dive even deeper next week. Hopefully I can find the one that just sets me off completely. As if some of these other ones haven't yet. But moving on, next week the NTT IndyCar Series heads to the Midwest for a Saturday night short track shootout in Iowa. With Simon Pagano's dominated win in Toronto, the battle for the championship tightens up even more. Will Joseph Newgarden assert his dominance and extend his points lead? Or will the master of Iowa, Ryan hunter Ray, notch his fourth victory at the Short Oval? Be sure to tune in for the Iowa 300 on Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter at BehindCatch and Instagram at Behind underscore the underscore catch underscore fence. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys later.